Ready? Woody, you ready? You ready? All right, here we go. And you have found the PBO podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. And yes, we have been away for a couple of weeks. Woody and I decided to take the holiday and just relax, do some family stuff, if you will. Enjoy the holiday season. So I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Now, here we are in the new year. And guess what? Welcome to the new year. Same as the old year. In fact, not only do we have an election this year like we did last year, uh, we still have COVID. We still have all that wonderful stuff going on. We still have all this political nonsense. So let's talk about today what we're going to talk about on this broadcast of the PBL podcast. Did you read the transcript of Trump's call with the Secretary of State for Georgia? We're going to get into that. January 6th, coming up in just a couple of days, the uh, Congress is going to meet to tally the votes for Electoral College. We'll talk about that. Uh, if you're not familiar with Lynn Wood, the lawyer out of Atlanta, who's all over uh, a lot of what's been going on with uh, the Stop the Steal, um, he put out some pretty disturbing information. We'll talk about that. Uh, Congress wants to change uh, how we identify people. Hey, you can no longer say, oh man, it's a woman as well. Some COVID hypocrisy because we got a ton of that and just some other just unbelievable stuff. So again, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are out of practice here. It has been a couple of weeks. So we want to just have a monologue today. So let's first start off with that phone call. Now, I'm going to link to the transcript in the show notes, but, and I encourage you, if you're interested in this topic, uh, to read the transcript. I encourage you heavily, heavily do not, do not listen to the media on this one. Because here's what the media is doing, is they're trying to frame this phone call as bad to Trump. So let me, let me pull back. And let me talk about this call. So this call happened. Let's see if I can pull it up. I'm going to read from a CNN article. It's a January 2nd audio call. And what it was was between Donald Trump and Brad Raffensperger, uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia. And there were other people on the call, people on Trump's side, a lawyer on Raffensperger's side as well. And the media wants you to think that Trump was pressuring the Secretary of State of Georgia to um, miraculously give him around 12,000 votes. We'll just round it up. And the media is like trying to say that Donald Trump was pressuring him to do this. And that could be far, it could not be farther from the truth. If you read the transcript, if you listen to even parts of the call, no such thing happened. In fact, what Trump went on and on and on about that call was that he believes there are hundreds of thousands of votes that were in his favor and that he won Georgia by a landslide and that uh, Brad Raspenberger uh, has not been truthful and has not been forthcoming and has not been honest. In fact, Donald Trump called him out so many times on that call that, Brad, you know this, but you just don't want to say it. And they even, he even asked Raspenberger at one point, did you know that he told that he was saying this Raspberry? And I'm paraphrasing all this. I'm not going to read the transcript. Uh, uh, again, it'll be in my show notes. So you go l listen or read it on there. But he actually at one point was saying, did, did you know that all those votes from the video, the, the infamous video where they pulled the, the ballot boxes out from underneath the table and everybody was sent away and they were allegedly counted like three or four times? He goes, did you know all... This is Trump talking, asking Raffensperger, did you know all of those votes went to Biden? And all Raffensperger can say is that we looked into it, we investigated it, and that's what we found. He goes, Brad, how many went for me? How many went for Biden? He couldn't say. In fact, all through that call, the Secretary of State of Georgia and his lawyer who was on the call, um, uh, first, last name's Kennedy, I don't remember the first name. But anyway, Ryan, Ryan Kennedy, all throughout the call, Ryan Kennedy and Brad Raffensperger are saying that uh, that's not what we found. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. We are looking into it. Not one time did they actually could come up with some concrete information. And all through this call, Trump has been saying, look, uh, I think we won. The experts think we won. I mean, the, the people in Trump's side that were on the call were saying the same thing. And at one point, they asked the lawyer, Ryan Kennedy, can we see all the information? He says, and this is information they said 
Trump's side said, we've asked you six times and you've stonewalled and not produced anything. And again, I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing here, but I'm going to get into my main point here in just a second. And, and basically he said, uh, sure, we will have that call. So one of Trump's people said, wait a minute, I want to make sure I get this and that I understand this. Uh, are you going to show us the data or are you just going to tell us what you're telling us now without showing us the data? And his lawyer, Ryan Kennedy basically said, well, no, I'm not going to show you the data because there's some things Leela I can't show you. And I'm like, so, so the, the Secretary of State of Georgia admitted on that call that one, they hadn't seen all the information, they don't know a lot of the information, and that they haven't given a lot of the information. And we learned from that call that the Trump administration has been asking and requesting for this information for a while, and it's been refuted every single time. This was not a damning call for Trump. It just wasn't. Now, the left, being the absolute uh, lowlifes that they are, have come out and basically want to impeach. They're actually talking about impeaching Trump for this. If you go on Twitter, there's a hashtag, impeach Trump for this. Now, is that not the most ridiculous thing you have ever heard? I mean, if they... And here's the thing. If the left is calling to impeach Trump over this call that they don't have a lot of confidence it's going to happen on January 6th, do they? Because if they're calling to impeach Trump, what do they think he's going to remain president? They must not have a lot of confidence that Biden is actually going to be the sitting president. But no, they're doing it. They're doing it right now. And there's nothing on that call, nothing, absolutely nothing on that call that you could impeach Trump for. But no, the left... They're using this as a reason to impeach Trump. And I saw this, I think it was on Twitter too, that it's not like Trump asked him, asked Raffensperger to fire somebody or he wasn't going to give him some kind of money. No, that would be Joe Biden who did that. Remember Joe Biden infamously said to the Ukraine, Ukraine people that if you don't fire this prosecutor, I'm not going to give you the billion dollars. Remember that? On, on tape, he said that. This didn't happen here, and the left want to impeach him. For what, I don't know. Now, here is my theory on this. So I think Trump, one, did a couple of things here. I think he set up the Secretary of State of Georgia, made them say, ask very poignant questions, uh, questions like, uh, you know, of the what was wrong with the Dominion machines and all this. Um, and I don't have it pulled up. So it's like I said, I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing on this. But he asked them a lot of questions and they repeatedly said, no, we didn't find fraud. We didn't find this. We didn't find that. Now, if Trump has proof that it's there and they're wrong, he just set them up. But I think there's something else at play here, too. Um, I think this is the bigger play, by the way. I think the reason that we're all knowing about this right now is uh, I don't believe Donald Trump expected the Secretary of State of Georgia to help them. I don't think that was the purpose of the call. I think the purpose of the call was to call them out, put them on record as stonewalling, put them on record as saying some things that happened uh, didn't happen, but maybe they did happen. I know that's twisted logic. And then if Trump can prove they did happen, it makes the, it just all credibility for the Secretary of State of Georgia is gone. It's just gone. But I think the bigger play here was a media play. And what I mean by that is the media, the mainstream media, who are completely useless in this country, ha have simply not reported this. They have left it alone, blackout, other than saying there's no credible evidence. And by the way, that word... They're using a lot. They're saying no credible as evidence of election fraud. The word credible is their tell uh, because they're not saying there's no evidence. Now they're quantifying it or qualifying it. They're saying no credible evidence. So they're, in effect, admitting that there is evidence of election fraud. There's just no credible evidence evidence of election fraud. And that's what the left's doing. That's what the media is doing right now. So they know there's fraud. They've outright admitted it, but they're qualifying it using that word credible. That's their wishy-washy, sleazy word to get around all this. So Trump knows this. 
Trump plays the media like a drum and they just fall for it each and every time. So um, here's what I think that happened here and what the, um, the agenda for this was. It was allegedly leaked, this call, right? Uh, I say allegedly, uh, and, and now it's the Trump administration is saying that the uh, Secretary of State of Georgia leaked the call. And uh, the Trump team is also throwing out that maybe there was some national security um, conversations in there, and he's trying to put that on the lap of the Secretary of State of Georgia, too. Like, first off, they leaked the call, and uh, they may have violated some uh, national security from the call. Okay. Uh, my personal opinion on this, this is just me. This is, I'm sure there's other people that have thought of this too. I'm not alone in this. Um, you know, I've never said I'm the brightest guy in the room and I know you left us. You'll play on that. But here's what I think happened. Uh, I think Trump is the one who leaked the call, let the call out. I think Trump let the call because you know, there's no reporting, at least that I have seen of who actually recorded the call. Uh, we do know, uh, or I guess we can safely assume, you don't want to use that word often because it makes an ass out of you and me, uh, that all the president's calls are recorded. That's just how it works. And now why would he do that? <laughs> well, because the media is not reported on it. So what a great way to get all of the uh, alleged fraud in the media. Now the media is reporting it gleefully because they think it hurts President Trump. Now, that's not enough though. President Trump knows this. So he's got to put a cherry on top of it. So he leaks this out to a left-wing paper, the Washington Post. And but he knows that, you know, maybe maybe some of them have a couple of brain cells to rub together, not a whole lot, maybe just a couple. And he knows that some of somebody there may may figure it out because, you know, in the past, Trump has been known to release stuff out, stories out to get himself in the press. This is prior to him being a politician. And so he's been playing the press like this for years. And, you know, there's been articles written about that. So he knows that some of them may have a couple of brain cells to run together and may figure it out and not release it. So he has to sweeten the pot. So then he calls out and said, well, <clears throat> this secretary of state may have violated some uh, national interest. So he needs to be looked in for that. Oh, now the media is going apoplectic. Now the media is thinking, oh, oh, we got something here. We got this nut job in the White House, orange man bad, who's now saying that the Secretary of State of Georgia has violated some kind of national security. I read this, go, there's nothing in there. We've got to get this to the people so they can see that this president fabricates stuff, but this president just played them. I truly believe that Donald Trump just played the media. Now people are seeing this. And when are they seeing this? They're seeing it right before January 6th uh, when he wants to get people, he wants to get uh, senators and Congress people, Republicans, of course, to contest the Electoral College. Now the media has to report this. So now all of these politicians are going, oh, crap, my constituents are bugging me about this. See, think about what the target audience is. The target audience isn't the left. The target audience isn't the media. The media is just the vessel that Trump is using to get to his target audience. And the target audience is those people who aren't tuned in to politics, who don't look at any alt politics that maybe only watch or read the mainstream media. It's brilliant. He just got this all out. Now people see all this fraud. Now you're probably saying, E, whoa, whoa, go on Twitter, dude. The left is going apoplectic about this. I've just used that word twice. I know. I, but they are. But who cares? Who cares? The left's going to do that anyway. They're going to go ape shit on just about anything and everything that comes up because they're the left. That's what they do. They wear their emotions on their sleeves. They don't think before they act. They take any little nugget that they think orange man bad. Impeach. I mean, they're actually calling to impeach him about this. I've read the transcript. I listened to some of the calls. There's nothing in there that's an impeachable offense. I'm sorry, there just is not. But there sure is a lot in there where Trump is angry and calling out the Georgia Secretary of State about all these election irregularities in the state of Georgia, and you hear the Secretary of State and his lawyer saying, we're not sure.
I don't know. We'll have to look into that. You hear them say, we don't have any, we, we've looked into it, but we didn't find anything. Would you look here? No. Well, we didn't find anything. Did you look there? No. You heard that throughout the whole transcript. Again, I don't want to read the transcript on, on this post or this broadcast. Uh, it's in the show notes. Please read it. I think you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about because there's nothing in there that President Trump said that was impeachable, for one. There's nothing in there where he was pressuring uh, the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffenberger, and to uh, give him 11,700 whatnot votes. He said repeatedly throughout that call that he believes there's fraud and he believes it's well into the hundreds of thousands. And he is very detailed and where all of these came from. And he challenged them throughout the whole call on that and said, oh, look, all we need is X amount. That's what the left is holding on to. Let them. Forget them. Let them. What just happened was a brilliant move, in my opinion, uh, in a Trump way, by Trump. Now more people have heard the story because the media was refusing. Because remember, the media was saying there's no credible evidence. Well, now from that call, people who only watch the mainstream media actually heard the evidence. Now let's fast forward. <clears throat> let's go to what's going to happen or what is coming up in January 6th. So January 6th, and if you're listening to this after January 6th, it's probably still going to be pretty confusing. Uh, because there's so much going on here. There's so much at play here. And it's, it is a long shot for President Trump to retain his presidency using this. And it's using the, um, the uh, Electoral College Act of 1877. So what you need in the Electoral College Act, and again, uh, there's an article I'm about to go over here from Epoch Times that goes uh, pretty in detail on this. You, you have to have... Uh, uh, some from the House of Representatives contest this in writing, in writing, and a senator in writing. They have to be in writing, and then they each get two hours uh, to debate it. So if it's from the House of Representatives, they go back into their chamber, and they debate it for two hours, and they come back and try to convince the other. It's not going to happen because, as we know, Nancy Pelosi uh, is the Speaker of the House, and the Democrats hold a slim majority in the House of Representatives. Uh, and then we don't know what's going to happen on the 5th. Now, <laughs> again, I'm recording this on a Monday, the day before the runoff election here in Georgia. If you're listening to this the next day, maybe we'll have a result. Probably not. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, those two senators, those runoffs are happening. And if uh, the Republicans retain control of the Senate, then we know the Senate. But even though going into Wednesday, the Republicans have control of the Senate. And so the Senate would vote to, you know, count the electors from the contested states, the House of Representatives, not. Now, it, the way the law is written, that if both houses can't come to a solution, a resolution, uh, then then that defaults to what these states sent in as certified votes. And if that happens, obviously Biden wins. So the problem or the, the issue, and this is complicated, so we're going to see how this plays out. Uh, the, this, this law, this Electoral College or Count Act of 1877, some have said it's not constitutional. Well, if it's not constitutional, in order to be deemed unconstitutional or constitutional, it's going to have to go before the Supreme Court. So something could happen to trigger it where it goes before the Supreme Court. Now, another thing that I heard, hat tip to Rush Limbaugh, I heard him talking about this uh, Friday, was that it's, could each of the people who are contesting this, there are four states in, uh, uh, actually there's seven states that send in alternate electors. Uh, could each of those person each get two-hour debate? So there's up to 140 uh, Republicans that are going to contest this. So if each of those gets two hours of debate, um, that's a lot, right? So let's go 140, and that would be times seven, right? That's 280 hours just for 100 hours, and times seven, we're talking 1,960 hours of debate time. So the idea is to stall this enough to where it triggers to go to the Supreme Court. That's ideally where they want it to go. Or, or does it go to where Pence 
just decides which electors he's going to select because he is the president of the Senate. Pence could say, we're going to count these electors, not the others. And then it goes to Trump. Uh, or could it go to where there's no resolution and it goes for a House vote by state and each state gets one vote? Now, if that happens, it'll probably go to Biden as well, because you've got the governor of Georgia, Kemp, who's no longer in favor with Trump, even though he's Republican. He's going to probably just go with what he certified, which was for Biden. So this could, this could go a lot of different ways. And I know a lot of people are thinking, no, it's over. It's, well, it's, it's not technically over. It is a long shot. There's no doubt this is a long shot. But if you go through this article, Epoch Times wrote, uh, the power of the vice president to counter or reject electoral votes. I want to go through this article, and it'll give us a little more insight about what's going to happen on Wednesday. We don't know exactly what's going to happen on Wednesday. We just don't know. And if you know what uh, Pence is going to do, and he's told you, that's how you know, uh, please, please reach out to me. The, the email is the T-H-E-P-B-L podcast at gmail.com. Reach out to me and tell me what Pence told you. And, and, and please, if you didn't ask Pence, are you really going to do that? I don't want to hear from you. But, and if you didn't have a conversation with Pence, I don't want to hear from you either. Not, I don't mean to be rude, but I mean, nobody, the point is nobody knows what Pence is going to do. Pence, Pence uh, has given some signals that he's going to support Trump, but we don't know. We have no idea. And if anybody tells you they do, they don't. Unless, of course, you had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Pence and he told you, if your name's Dan, 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 I'm telling you, Dan. I'm going to go with A. I'm going with solution A, Dan. That's it. I'm going. That's I'm gonna. I'm picking it, man. I'm done. It's gonna be A. Don't tell anybody. All right. You obviously didn't have that conversation because chances are your name's not Dan, and uh, you're not having a conversation with the Vice President of the United States. So we don't know until he does what he's going to do. We, and that'll be on January 6th. So this is, for me, I will tell you, man, I am, I, I'm loving this. I, I think this is the most fascinating election in my lifetime. And uh, I, I'm taking all personal feelings out of it. This is the best civics lesson we have ever gotten in our lifetime. I don't care who you are. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. I don't care if you're not on any side of the fence. This is the best civics lesson we have ever gotten, period. End of story. There's nobody alive today. I mean, maybe there is somebody alive from the 1877 time when the Electoral College was changed. I don't think so. So for maybe all but five people on the planet, this is absolutely the best education we have ever gotten, we are ever going to get. Ah, maybe I shouldn't say that. Who knows what the next election will be? So here from the Epoch Times, it's at 1 p.m. local time on January 6th, so that's going to be Eastern, uh, members of Congress, Congress will gather in the chamber of the House of Representatives to observe the formal certification of electoral college votes for President of the United States. This is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. It's worked like this since the beginning of our Constitution. The electoral college votes, technically, nobody's a president-elect yet because the Congress hasn't tallied the votes. Once Congress tallies the votes and one of the candidates gets the 270 magic mark, they are then officially president-elect. But traditionally, what we have done in our nation is after an election, if one side wins based on the votes, knowing that they're going to get enough electoral votes, the other side concedes, and that person is called president-elect. That's not that's not technical, though. That's just tradition, but it's not technical. Technically, they are not the president-elect until Congress tallies the votes. I know it's a, it's a detail. It's a minutiae detail, but it is a detail. Trump hasn't conceded. So traditionally, based on that, Biden's not the president-elect. But, you know, he did win the Electoral College vote. So based on that, he's the president-elect. Again, I'm telling you, this is a long shot. I know the left is, they, they, don't, they won't hear us, they don't, they don't hear that part. They'll hear you talk about that, this process of the Electoral Count Act, and I'll oh, give it up, Trump's done, he's lost, blah, blah, blah. You know, screw them. I mean, just, just, you know, blank them. 
blank them all because I don't care. Uh, I want this to play out to the nth degree. This is not a constitutional crisis. This is not a crisis in our nation. In fact, we should all be looking at this going, man, this is awesome. We are learning about our constitution and our, our, our processes like we have never learned before. We should be like going, yes, I want Trump to go all the way. And that should be you on the left saying that. You on the left, you, you're so confident in Biden's win. You should be like going, yes, I want them. I want these Trump turds. I already call them. I won't use the other word. I want them to go all the way and see that our guy won. It doesn't make sense that you're trying to stop it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you think you want, if you're that convinced, then <clears throat> let the process play out. And if you're so convinced that the process is going to play out in your favor and that somehow, miraculously, Trump's not going to keep his seat, why hasn't Kamala Harris resigned from the Senate? In fact, why was she just sworn back in? See, the thing is, you guys aren't that confident. That's the thing. This is why you want it all to stop. This is why you're angry, and this is why you're bullies, because you're not so sure. You're actually scared. You're actually frightened that the process may play out. So you call it a coup. You call it a threat to our democracy. You call people stupid. You try to bully them and beat them down, and you make fun of them. You mock them. But the simple fact is you're not confident. You're just not. You, you're afraid, you are fearful that Trump just might pull it out. And why are you fearful that Trump might just pull it out? You're fearful Trump just might pull it out because guess what? He pulled out the win in 2016 when that was against all odds, wasn't it? Mm, makes you think, doesn't it? Hmm, if there's anybody that could beat the odds, well, it's Donald Trump. And you know that. You're scared. You know, on the, on the right, maybe we're angry, maybe we're frustrated, but you on the left, you're scared. You're frightened that he actually could pull it off. So you bully, you mock, you call people names, you're just downright nasty people to begin with, and it all comes out, bubbles to the surface, because you don't have confidence. That's why Kamala Harris has not resigned her seat. That's unprecedented. What's happening in this election is actually precedented because it's happened before. In fact, in the 2004 election, there were people on the left that did this process against President Bush. Hmm. Interesting that, no? So let's go back to the article. <clears throat> uh, while it's usually a formality, nothing has been usual so far about this year's election amid numerous allegations of voter fraud in key swing states. See, notice how they didn't say credible in there. They just said numerous allegations. There has been. There's just been new. There's been tons of it. Uh, the situation is complicated by a lack of clarity on the legal and constitutional guardrails for the process. The joint sessions of Congress may well result in gridlock in which a clear winner of the race isn't announced at all. So based on current election results, former Vice President Joe Biden has received 306 electoral votes to Trump's 232 votes. Meanwhile, Republicans in seven states where Biden claimed victory have sent their own set of electors uh, to Washington. And, and some members of the House have indicated that they will object to Biden. Now, when this was written, there weren't as many. Now there's a lot. There's over 100, I believe, in the House. And there's like nine, six or nine senators now. Uh, so it would require, but the law by requires support from one house member and one Senator. So, uh, Cruz is one of the senators. The first one was Joss Hawley. And uh, if you haven't heard this story, cause I, I haven't been on air, uh, two weeks. So, and I do apologize. I, you know, I, all this has been going on. I've been like, ah, maybe I should go, but you know, Woody and I just needed to chill. Anyway, Josh Hawley was the first Senator. And I think he's out of Missouri that came on and is going to contest it. And did you see what Walmart did? Did you hear that story? Walmart uh, tweeted out, go ahead and have your two hours, hashtag sore loser. Yeah, Walmart, Walmart. Now, it wasn't Walmart. It was one of their social media persons. Could be a guy, could be a girl at Walmart that probably was, you know, uses their phone, maybe their computer to do all the social media for Walmart and was on their own personal one when they did it and inadvertently sent it out. That's obviously what happened. I don't want to assume, because I'm not going to make an ass out of me. That person's already made an ass out of themselves. I'm not going down that road. But we 
we can pretty much say that's what happened. And Walmart came out and said, no, nah, we're sorry. We don't mean to make any kind of statement. So they didn't say they're going to fire the person all that. They should. I mean, because one, the guy was, or girl, was on the clock doing this, obviously, maybe. I don't know. But uh, pretty bad, bad PR, bad PR for Walmart. So if you're not pissed off at Walmart, maybe you start, should be. Because, by the way, um, if it wasn't for China and their cheap goods, Walmart wouldn't be as big as they are. But, but we all know that. We all know we buy crap from China or from Walmart. We're buying crap from China. So anyway, I digress. Uh, so looking at the article and the question, so what will happen? The counting of the votes is primarily governed by the 12th Amendment of the Constitution, the Amended Electoral Count Act. Uh, the Constitution simply states that the electors of each state have to meet, make a list of their votes, which they shall sign and certify, and send those to the president of the Senate, which is the vice president. Mike Pence. Uh, the president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all certificates and the votes shall then be counted. The 1804 amendment says, again, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. By the way, did, did you know about this act prior to this? I didn't. Again, the best freaking civics lesson we have ever gotten is happening right now. We should all revel in this. This is awesome. You on the left, too. Did you know about it? I guarantee you didn't. You'll say you did because you think you're smart. You're not. Currently known as 3 U.S. Code Section 15 establishes a procedure for how the votes are counted, how to raise objections, and how to resolve disputes. First, it says that the vice president indeed presides over the proceedings. Then it says the House and Senate leaders each designate two tellers. The VP opens the envelopes with the vote certificates and hands them to the tellers for counting. Uh, the tellers then read them out loud and counts them and hands them back to the VP to announce the results. Simple enough. It's been happening for, you know, a couple hundred years plus. Uh, then in rather convoluted language, the law says that Congress members can object. At least one objection from each chamber is needed to trigger a separate vote by the House and the Senate on objections. So if both chambers agree, the objected voters are rejected. That's virtually out of the question given the Democrats' majority in the House, slim that it may be. Uh, if two sets of electors are presented for counting, the House and Senate need to separately vote on which set is legitimate and which should be rejected. If each chamber votes differently, the set certified by the state's governors should count. That gives it to Biden. Notice the word should. Uh, the problem is there's a voluminous body of legal analysis arguing that the Electoral Count Act is unconstitutional. Congress has no business granting itself the authority to decide which slate of electors is the correct one and which votes should be rejected, nor does Congress have the power to designate state governors as the final arbiters. A lineup of legislators, legal scholars have argued it's all over the place. Wait a minute. There's so many variables here. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Oh, geez, if that can't be resolved, what happens? If it's unconstitutional, it's got to be proven unconstitutional. It goes to the Supreme Court. So there are two arguments for, and this back to the article, sorry, I, I, I jumped off of it. There are two arguments for who has the constitutional power to decide which electors to use, choose. Some jurists say it's the VP who has the sole discretion to decide which votes to count. The argument is that the framers intended for the VP to be the sole authority over the counting of the votes because uh, the unanimous resolution attached to the Constitution says that the Senate should appoint its presidents for the sole purpose of receiving, opening, and counting the votes for president. Hmm. Now we get into language that like has to be challenged, right? That's not from the article. That was just me. From the article. Moreover, before the adoption of the Electoral Count Act, it was always the VP counting the votes, sometimes despite major objections from Congress. Thomas Jefferson did so as the VP in the 1800 election, uh, counting Georgia's constitutionally deficient votes and de facto securing his own presidency. Hmm. So we got some precedent here. See how this is going? Arizona state lawmakers and GOP electors, together with Rep. Louis Gomer, who filed a lawsuit, it was it was already thrown out of court uh, that the Electoral Count Act is unconstitutional and the VP's power is paramount. Now, the thing about what we're talking about, and this is off the article, is this is government process. Everything's black and white in the government. There's no gray in government. No, if there is gray, it goes to the Supreme Court to be turned to black or white. And 
<clears throat> so there's procedurals and processes that have to be done to get from A to Z. And that's, that's where we're at. We're in a process here. And glorious as it is that we're learning so much about it. Uh, now, now, back to the article. Not everyone agrees, though. A University of Virginia professor, John Harrison, an expert on constitutional history, says the BP doesn't have any constitutional power to make decisions over which votes to count. Uh, he argued that the law is deficient to the effect that Congress doesn't have the power to make the announcement of its decisions regarding the vote count inclusive. But that doesn't mean it can't prescribe any rules at all. The Constitution does call for counting the votes with both houses present. So I think that setting up procedures for a count is within Congress's power, he told Epoch Times via email. The second argument is that the Constitution grants the authority to determine how electors are picked to state legislatures. As such, any dispute over which votes should be counted should be resolved by state legislatures. Problem is, state legislatures aren't in session and they can't assemble in a special session without a call from the governors. Now, and the governors aren't going to call them in, at least not for Georgia, they're not. And here in Georgia, if they did want to get around it, uh, 29 uh, state legislatures will have to agree to call, and as of this recording, only nine have in the state of Georgia. Now, Rudy Giuliani has said, and this is not from the article, this is just from me, Rudy Giuliani has basically implored them, the state legislatures, hey, you, you're the state legislatures. Your, your role has been written in the Constitution of the United States of America. You don't need the governor to tell you that you can't do this. You don't need the governor. So there's some argument there as well. So this is um, quite interesting. So I'll finish up the article here. Uh, the conservative Amistad project of, uh, of the Thomas More Society has filed a federal lawsuit arguing that the power of the legislature is both exclusive and non-delegable, and thus any state and federal statutes to the contrary are unconstitutional and void. That's what um, Giuliani was arguing. Uh, that would not only knock down some provisions of the Electoral College Act, but also render electoral votes that haven't been certified post-election by state legislatures illegitimate. Uh, regardless of what the courts will say, the core question is what will take place in the House chambers on January 6th? Will Pence refuse to follow the Electoral Con Act? Will some of the tellers dissent? If things go wrong for the Democrats, will House Speaker Nancy Pelosi try to end the session prematurely? Uh, there's no way to tell. The, as the article ends it, Pence hasn't let his intentions be known. So again, if you've had that conversation with Mike Pence, um, give me a call. You know, let me know. Let's have that talk. I'd like to hear what he said to you. Now, I'm not going to get that call because nobody's had that conversation. So uh, maybe Trump knows what Pence. I'm sure Trump and Pence have had that conversation. So this is fascinating stuff, ladies and gentlemen. We don't know what's going to happen. So if anybody knows, don't believe them. They tell you they know. Don't believe them. Let this process play out. Will some wimp out? I don't know. It's, there's a lot riding on what Pence does right now. Uh, you've got several Republican Congress critters that have said they're going to contest it. Several, dozens and dozens in the House and about a, half a dozen in the Senate. And, you know, uh, Josh Hawley should be praised for what he's doing, by the way. And, you know, you've got so many on the left saying that these, this is a coup, that this is treason. No, no, this is law. This is like if, what I just read you is a law. And these, they, they know this, by the way. The leftists that are saying it, like Amy Klobuchar is saying it, and you see some other in the media, they're saying it. They're, they're all full of crap, every single one of them, because they're afraid. They're afraid of what potentially could happen. So they don't want to take the risk. They don't want to take the risk that this might work. This might save Trump's presidency. And it's such a freaking long shot, but they don't care because they're afraid of even long shots because they know if there's any president in recent times that could overcome such a long shot, such long odds, it's Donald J. Trump. Fascinating stuff. We're going to find out this pretty soon. I mean, I can't wait. I want to sit here and tell you I'm going to be glued to the TV, but I've got other obligations, but I'm going to be in and out of news and uh, posting. So uh, follow me on Twitter because that's where you'll see me interacting about this on Twitter as it unfolds. And my Twitter handle is at the T-H-E-P-B-L podcast. And I'm already interacting with several of you on Twitter now. So that is, uh, I, I hate Twitter. I love Twitter. It's a lot of fun. It's cesspool. It's garbage. But again, I have a lot of fun on Twitter. Anyway, 
So those are the two big things. You got Trump's call with the Georgia Secretary of State, which the left is blowing up about, and you've got what's going to happen on January 6th. That's our big news right now. Let me go through a couple of other things, and uh, we're just going to do this one podcast today. And uh, uh, as and a sh- um, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just in a show notes or in a show schedule, of what we're doing uh, in the here at the PBL podcast is we may not be producing every day. We may be whole, maybe doing every other day. We're not sure yet because we've got some other obligations. We got our hands involved in that, some things that we were cooking over the last couple of weeks as well too. Uh, nothing to do with the show, but just so you're aware, what's going on with us is we are going to. Uh, produce the podcast still and the shows because we want to keep talking and having interactions with everybody on Facebook and on uh, Twitter especially and all the other media platforms we're on as well too but I want to just kind of put that um, note out there so you guys are going what's going on with the PBL podcast well the PBL podcast is got some other irons in the fire that we've got to attend to but we do enjoy doing this. Let's talk about some other things. Let's go through. Uh, Lynn Wood, if you're not familiar with Lynn Wood, he's this Georgia attorney who's come out with a bunch of allegations. And he just had this uh, tr- this Twitter thread that was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so he's he stepped in a little bit because one of the um, articles that he started this with was written by somebody who's not credible at all. And I'm not going to say his name out here, but it's not credible. He's come out. Lynn Wood has even said it. But if you read his Twitter feed, I mean, what the allegations that he's making, like against John Roberts and others. I mean, this is a man who's called for Mike Pence to be arrested and be shot. He he's gone off the deep end. I hate to say it looks like in this, but if he's right, he's got a lot of evidence on child trafficking, sex trafficking. That's just when I read it this morning. I mean, I was like, holy crap. I mean, if half of what he says, actually a, a thumble, a thumbnail, a, a thumbnail of what he said is true, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's absolutely atrocious. And we know there's child sex trafficking out there. So Lynn Wood may have seen something that set him off on the deep end. Uh, but uh, I, 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 it's, it's just bizarre what he's talking about right now. My caution to everybody, and I know people listen to me and um, other shows like this and are on social media platforms, Linwood's all over it. Just take it with caution what the man is saying because uh, what he is saying is so outrageous, so outlandish. I mean, I don't, I, I don't buy into what he's saying about Mike Pence, but I do know that there is human trafficking out there. I do know that there is absolute evil out there. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. And I do know there are people that do a lot of bad things to other people, children especially. And if Linwood has the goods on people that are happening, he needs to bring that forward. And if it proves that certain people are doing it, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share one of the crazy outrageous allegations that he put out there. And I'm not saying I agree with, I believe any of this, but basically he was saying there's a group out there that will take powerful people, force them to do things with children. And one of the most outrageous ones is force them to actually kill the people, the child and they videotape it. And that's how they control them. Man, I got to tell you that sends chills down the spine because we've all grown up watching movies and we know these outrageous things happen in movies. Can they happen in real life? The only reason I bring it up is because it's so outrageous and so out there, but you know there's a a little bit in the back of everybody's minds that thinks, you know what, that could be out there. That kind of evil could be. Most people want to block it. Most people just want to say no. You know, they cover their eyes, they cover their ears, and they, you know, see no evil, hear no evil. They don't want to address it. And, And Linwood may not be the best vessel for this, but it's out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's out there, and uh, my caution to you is proceed with caution with uh, Lynn Wood. I mean, I, I don't have any more to say about it. Just, It's just wow. Uh, you can find it in my Twitter feed. You can find it in his Twitter feed, all the stuff he was saying, but it's just wow. I'm not saying I believe any of it. I don't want you leftists out there thinking I'm buying it. This comes through. I'm not, but I know there's evil out there, and uh, I would rather, you know, and this is the thing that really pisses me off about all this and the way the left are of Trump or is with Trump is he has done more 
to stop human trafficking than any other president in my lifetime. And people don't know this. There's been thousands arrested worldwide because Trump has put forth resources to stop this, to, to stop it. And this is where he gets no credit for that. The left are so devoid of any compassion or humanity because they just want to win at all costs. And, and it's just outrageous the way they act. Now, Linwood may be playing on that because he knows that this is how people, it's, you know, the, the right looks at the left and say, you just are not, you know, you just don't care that Trump has actually helped people and you want to, you know, vilify him, orange man bad. And uh, you know, so we know there's evil out there. So be cautious. Linwood could just be playing on evil. A couple other things. Did you hear what Congress is doing with names? They're getting rid of um, traditional names. Of the, they're entering this into the record. And I wish I had the story. Let's see if I do. And I mean, I should probably talk about it because I don't have the story pulled up because it's just I, it's just I got it written down here. It's ridiculous what they're doing is they're no longer to use terms like grandfather and grandmother, mother and father. And they're, they're using these gender neutral terms that make no sense. You know, the um, the the left want you. I'm going to try to find this. Yeah, here it is. House introduces gender-neutral language and new rules for Congress. I mean, and this, this kind of crap is just absolutely unbelievable. Democrats have crafted a package of unprecedented, bold reforms, which will make the House more accountable, transparent, effective in our work to meet the needs of American people. This is from their statement. The future-focused proposal reflects our priorities as a caucus and as a country, including crushing the coronavirus. Love that. Crush the coronavirus. They're not going to do a damn thing with coronavirus. You know it. They're incompetent, inept. Addressing economic disparity, combating climate crisis, advancing inclusion, and promoting integrity in government, said Pelosi, who was reelected this year. And in addition to permanently establishing the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, you know that's going to be a cluster fun part, and other diversity measures, the proposed package would honor all gender identities by changing pronouns and familiar relationships in the House rules to be gender neutral. Previous Congress operated under a binary rule that words importing one gender include the other as well. So what are they going to say? Let's see. Let's find this. They're going to call. So here's what they're going to do. Um, rule 10, and this is from their whatever rules they're proposing, right? Uh, in Clause 1C9 of Rule X, strike semen uh, and insert seafarers. So I guess maybe they just don't want nobody making fun of the word semen anymore. I don't know, but they're no longer be seafarer semen. They'll be seafarers. In Clause 4A1B of Rule 10, strike chairman and insert chair. So no longer will they say the chairman. It'll just be chair. I wonder why they didn't go with chairperson. In clause 8C3 of rule 23, strike father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law. And in case this has gone too long, they're striking this. Daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister. Again, if this is going too long, remember, they're striking these terms. Half-brother, half-sister, grandson, or granddaughter. And insert parent-child Sibling, parent, sibling, first cousin, siblings, child, spouse, parent, in law, child, in law, sibling, in law, step parent, step child, step sibling, half sibling, or grandchild. This is actually written into the House of Representatives, but it gets worse, or does it get better? I don't know. In Clause 10B of Rule 23, strike, submit his or her resignation, and insert resign. Yes. They've gotten so petty in gender identification that no longer will you submit your 
uh, his or her resignation, just resign. So don't submit his or her resignation. Just insert resign. So, uh, Madam Speaker, resign. God, just absolute stupidity. Uh, strike he or she serves and insert such member, delegate, or resident commissioner serves. No, no pronoun, no he or she. Strike he or she holds and insert such members, delegate, or resident commissioner holds. In Clause 13D12 of Rule 23, strike father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, and insert parent, child, sibling, spouse, or parent-in-law. No more mothers. No more grandfathers. No more grandmothers. No more brothers, sisters, siblings, in-laws. Because it's got to be. I don't. This makes no sense. This is just stupid. I mean, it, they're the same thing. I mean, we're rewriting the English language. We're omitting words. I mean, now Nancy Pelosi. Last I checked on her Twitter feed, by the way, still said mother, grandmother on there. Oh well, she's now. in violation of her very own stupid nonsensical rules and this is our this is our congress these are the people we're electing did you get this that the other day they were doing a uh, they're closing up one of the sessions after i guess it was when they voted in very barely nancy pelosi as secretary uh, or the the speaker of the house uh, they ended with prayer and they ended with amen and a uh, woman yeah now, amen in Latin means um, let it be. So has anyone checked what a woman means in Latin? Does it mean do I look fat in this dress? I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I know this is how ridiculous the left has gotten. Uh, thank you, Father, for our daily bread. May you nourish this um, meal to our bodies. Bless us. Bless this family. Bless our home. Amen. And a woman. I mean, I'm just like, God. Uh, this is the left. This is the left. And you leftists out there are so happy this is happening. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to get worse, by the way. It's going to get worse if Biden is not denied the presidency. And it's, again, it's a long shot. He probably is going to get it because Biden won't be making any of these decisions. Biden won't be doing anything, by the way. Biden's just an empty vessel. He's a fool. I mean, Biden's just going to be, he'll do what they tell him to do. And the question is, who is they? Now, it's not going to be Kamala Harris. That moron, she sits here and lies through her teeth all the time. Did you catch the video when she said about uh, Kwanzaa? <laughs> she says, oh, you know, my family and I, when I were kids, I remember us sitting around and, you know, going through the tenets of Kwanzaa and celebrating and the candles uh, when I was a kid. She was born in 1966. Kwanzaa came about the same time. Her, her father's from Jamaica. They don't celebrate Kwanzaa. And her mother's from India. Total lie. I mean, a total bullshit lie. And the left laps it up. Kwanzaa is a made-up religion, and it's worthless, and it shouldn't be celebrated by anybody. It was made up by a criminal. But no, a woman celebrate Kwanzaa. Do you know anybody who celebrates Kwanzaa? I've never met anybody who celebrates Kwanzaa. I grew up in the black community, ladies and gentlemen. I know a lot of black people. Not one I've ever met celebrates Kwanzaa. The left are hypocrites, liars. I mean, they will do anything to retain power. To, they, they're willing to, to throw out our election process. They're willing to, to basically take away the sanctity of our vote for power. They don't care. They, they, don't, they don't care at all the outcome other than they win. They don't care if this is going to hurt the country, if it tears us apart. They don't care if their policies decimate us financially, economically. They just don't care. They don't care if China gets their way and becomes the number one superpower of the world as long as they get rid of Orange Man bad and they get power. And they're letting us see it for all that it is. Kamala Harris with her fake Kwanzaa video, this stupid uh, new gender terms that the House of Congress is adopting as their house rules. I mean, look at the COVID hypocrisy of the left. Nancy Pelosi barely won her speakership. She thinks she won it like nine votes. And I watched the vote as it was happening, and it wasn't right up until the end that she actually 
secured it. And what did she do to secure that vote? She told members of her caucus that you had to be there in person. Now, why do they have to be there in person? If you don't know, let me explain. This is a new Congress. The old rules don't apply. See, the old rules, they passed a resolution where they, they, they can vote by proxy. They have to be there because of the COVID. But that expired, and they had to write new rules, and they had to do that with the new Congress. So anyone who can't, was going to vote for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House or vote for the Speaker of the House had to be present. So you know every Democrat was there, every damn one of them. There were Democrats there that were recently diagnosed with COVID, but Nancy told them they had to be there. There were Democrats that were in quarantine because they were around people with COVID, but they were there. The hypocrisy of the left knows no bounds. You cannot go to your favorite restaurant. In fact, your favorite restaurant is probably going to close down anyway because the government says nobody can go there because they're afraid they're going to catch COVID. But by golly, they can go. The, the, the House of Representatives, Nancy can get them into the Congress so they can vote for her so she can retain her power because that's what it's all about. Did you see you know, the, uh, you know, New Year's Eve? Did you see what happened, that video in New York? Bill de Blasio's dancing on stage with his wife to an empty Times Square. And, they're, and it was so dystopian. They, they, they were playing like uh, the Frank Sinatra, New York, New York song, dancing horribly, I might add. The man has no rhythm. I mean, you talk about one lanky white guy. You don't care if he's married to a black woman or not. The man cannot dance. And it looked, the optics were so bad. You couldn't go to Times Square, but he could and dance with his wife. And then in Wuhan, China, did you see that video? Thousands of people gathered in Wuhan, China to bring in the new year together in crowds. So over there in the epicenter where this all started, they're in these giant crowds celebrating, woohoo, like everybody else, Wuhan, I guess, woohoo. And here in America, not just America, by the way, London is empty because those politicians think that they know better total hypocrisy the left are scum that's why i make fun of you leftists on the show because i just i'm done with it i'm done with putting up with your antics and not calling you for the absolute morons that you are and if you are one of those morons that votes for the left just because orange man bad you're an idiot if you're gonna vote for a Raphael warnock here in the state of georgia on the uh 5th of january because because he's a Democrat, you've not, you've no idea who you're voting for. I mean, this man came out and basically said white people are bad. Cops are bad. I'm paraphrasing. You want to quote me, quote me. But I mean, you are an absolute moron if you vote for Raphael Warnock. You are a moron. I mean, a moron of the highest order. You are about as stupid as stupid can be. And if you vote for John Ossoff, I mean, he is the empty vessel of all empty vessels. It'll just be a rubber stamp for the Democrats. And he has ties to China. And you don't care. Why? Because orange man bad. You don't care. And even if it wasn't Donald Trump, you do the same thing. Because if you vote for the left, you are a moron. Period. End of story. Hey, I'm going to end this on one last story. Uh, and I've just been ranting, monologuing today, so I apologize. There'll be some articles in the show notes, not very many. We're just going to have a monologue today. Because we're back. It's New Year. Uh, last story of the day of the show. Did you hear this one? Uh, are you familiar with TCL TVs? I think it's TCL TVs, isn't it? Uh, you know, they're those cheap TVs made. And here's the thing about televisions. I used to sell TVs. I used to be in the electronics industry, worked for a big box electronics retailer. And uh, no, it wasn't as a sales clerk, you, you low-life leftist. I actually had a high position. But anyway, I digress. Um, TCL makes cheap TVs. Now, the thing about TVs today, they're a commodity. Most TVs, unless you get the real high-end ones, are pretty cheap comparatively to what they were, say, just 10 years ago, right? I remember when I bought my house in 2006, I wanted this beautiful plasma TV to put over the mantle. I bought the top of the end. The thing was huge, weighed a ton. Took two, two people to put it up. Took two people to take it down. Now I could do, got a much better TV. One person myself, I could do it. So TCL makes these cheap TVs. They're made in China, Chinese company. And anyway, I mean, they're not bad. The thing about TVs right now is, you know, across the board, the technology is so widespread and used. And what are you, we're almost done. So widespread that it doesn't, you know, it, most TVs have a good picture, almost every one of them. But anyway, uh, the story that I read was TCL, made by Chinese, and the Chinese government had put something in there where they could spy on Americans. 
that they can actually turn it on and through the video see what you're doing. Now, I mean, if you're worried about what people are doing, in your, what you're doing in your living room that the Chinese see, then, you know, maybe you have a problem with this. My solution, I think, is better. I think it's way better. Way, way better. If you have a TCL TV, pick a time every day and moon your TV. Let them get a show of your ass. That's what China needs to see. Some great, good-looking American ass. Because if you're a leftist, don't do this because you don't have a good-looking ass. But if you're not, let, let the Chinese see. Let, let's show them our ass. If you've got a TCL TV, let's have a campaign. Let's moon the TCL TV. Hey, I did say one last thing, uh, and that was it. But I do have one uh, picture. I'll try to find it, put it in the show notes. You know, they, I saw somebody posted this picture on Twitter of a woman swimming with a mask on. <laughs> That's right, with a mask on. I'm sorry, I just thought of this. I know I said the TCL thing would be the last thing, but maybe this is funnier. I don't know. She's swimming with a mask on, so I thought this was, like, brilliant. People are, like, calling her stupid. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is absolutely brilliant. Think about it. We wear the mask, or we're told to wear the mask, so droplets can't get in. You know, we don't get the disease. And this woman has figured it out. So if she wears a mask while she swims and droplets of water can't get in, she's preventing, she's not going to drown. She's just got perfect prevention for drowning. Brilliant, I tell you. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor. Woody, you're glad uh, to be back. And there's just so much news. I can only get to so much i mean there's so much out there there's the, the ludicrous of the left uh and i think this year we're gonna really dig into just the absolute hypocrisy of the left i mean if you haven't seen that story of hilaria or hilaria uh, baldwin uh, alec baldwin's wife it's a perfect perfect example of just how stupid the left are and how stupid they think you are. And if you don't know, she was faking her accent. She was a white girl from Boston trying to tell everybody she's uh, from Spain. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Have a great day. Can't wait for January 6th.